0: This is the Engaging Missions Show, episode 174. This week, we're talking with Adriana Maino about consistency and what God's doing in Thailand.
1: His answer was, people have come in, Christians have come in, started helping them, but then when they see that they're not converting, they just leave.
0: Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks so much for stopping by and welcome to the show. Our goal is to equip, challenge, and inspire you. This show is made possible in part by support from listeners like you. Visit engagingmissions.com slash patron to learn more about how you can be involved. This week we're talking about the power of a long-term perspective, and consistent faithfulness, as well as what God's doing in Thailand. Some really good stuff there. Before we do that, I'd like to say a quick welcome to Don, who recently liked the Engaging Missions Facebook page. If you'd like to do that, you can find it at facebook.com slash engagingmissions. And also huge thanks to Kirk, Hugh, and others for your comments and also for sharing things. After our featured guest today, I will have a short update for you about some upcoming changes to the publishing schedule. So make sure that you stay tuned for that. With that, we're going to cut right to our time with Adriana. All right, today I have with me Adriana Maino. I met her at church when I heard her sharing her story in a Sunday school class, and I really wanted to have her share a little bit more here on the show. She works in Thailand, where she's the teams and volunteer coordinator at Partners Relief and Development. You can find out more about Partners at partners.ngo. Adriana, welcome to the show. Thank you. It was a little bit of a a challenge to get this scheduled because of all the stuff that's going on, and so I'm really glad that you have the opportunity to do this. But, but, I'm really kind of wondering, you're in involved in full-time missions. You're mm-hmm. involved with partners. Yes, what was your background? and how did that lead you? like how did you get know that you were called into missions?
1: Yeah. so my family, I grew up in a Christian family. I was became a Christian when I was five. I've always enjoyed hearing missionaries talk while at churches. And when I went to church, they would come on Wednesday nights and I would want to listen. And so I always kind of knew that i I wanted to get into that. And so because of that, I eventually got my bachelor's in intercultural studies at Taylor Fort Wayne, okay. um, and then also eventually my master's in international development at Eastern University.
0: Oh, wow. So that that training, I, I would imagine a lot of that is technical stuff. You're learning mm-hmm. the Bible, you're learning techniques and stuff. Yeah. How, how did that prepare you for being involved in cross-cultural ministry?
1: Yeah, at Taylor, it was being a Christian— um, university, it kind of gave me that background Bible knowledge and just kind of a, it's a missions degree without the word missions in it so that people could go and use this degree to to work internationally. And so that's kind of why I liked it. And then the development degree, eventually I realized that I wanted to do development and it was kind of a, has all the aspects of development. So you learned about economics, you learn about community development, about relief. And I I hadn't been quite sure where I wanted to be Within all that spectrum, okay, but it was a, it was a good broad spectrum, and I really enjoyed the program. Um, so it really gave me that kind of background that I I needed.
0: Yeah, and so it, it's really interesting that it, it seems like it's probably the last twenty or thirty years or so that development has really become yeah. an initiative where we realize that it's good to present the gospel. We don't want exactly, to stop doing yeah. that. So what what in particular drew you to development? What parts of development did you really like?
1: At my church in Fort Wayne, we talked a lot about Christian social justice. Okay. That kind of got me into the idea of, you know, how can I use my calling in missions to do development with Christian social justice? And so that's what led me to get my master's degree at Eastern because I found this program. It's a Christian university also. And so it was Christian perspective on development. And then you get that broad spectrum. So I was I was like, that's really kind of where I wanted to go. And I was like, that's what I want to do. So I really appreciate having the sermons at church and the different things and different conversations yeah. with people about that.
0: So, so how do you keep that balanced then? Because you do want to present the gospel, but you also want to put hands and feet to that. Does it ever become a challenge to keep those two together?
1: Yeah, especially when you're working with people groups who aren't Christian, like we work with Muslims and Buddhists as well as Christians. Yeah. And so when you're in a Muslim or Buddhist context, you have to be a lot more careful And most of what we share is out of relationship. We we can't just go out and have Christian programming and things like that within those contexts with those people groups. But we do eventually share, you know, Christ with them through our actions, and they ask us, and it comes out of that relationship. So.
0: Yeah, I've heard every once in a while I hear people say things that kind of make me think that there's a suspicion that when you bring the gospel and you bring some kind of social justice or some kind of community development, that it's really kind of holding a carrot out in front of them to try and manipulate them into listening to the gospel. Right. Uh, What's the reality of
1: that? It actually does happen. We actually, in in Burma, in one of the states that we work in, the people that we work with there actually asked us, well, not me in particular, but one of our people that were there, if if we are Christians, in or a missionary, and, and he kind of asked, you know, curious, why why do you ask that question? And his answer was that people have come in, Christians have come in, started helping them, but then when they see that they're not converting, they just leave. Oh, so okay. it's showing them that they don't care about us and our needs; they just want to convert us to their religion. And so we've shown them that in our hearts that we want them to come to Christ, but we're not helping them to convert them. We're helping them because God wants us to love people.
0: That, that sounds like that might be a bit of a challenge to overcome. How how do you how do you overcome possibly decades of that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, we just keep praying and persevering because that's kind of what you have to do. You have to build that relationship with them because some people groups have been hurt so bad by Christians coming in and doing that that mm. they they have a real deep distrust of Christians and what their motives are. And so in that particular people group, and then another people group in Burma, we've had years of building relationships with them and having them to trust us. And actually in in one of the places that we're working, we had 10 years of working with them and we couldn't really do much about, you know, outwardly evangelizing to them. Mm -hmm. But now they've actually asked us to start like an English program on Tuesdays and they're allowing us to use the Bible. And so that's a big wide door open you know, yeah. when it's been closed for ten years, so it's a long haul. But I think if you persevere and you're praying, that there eventually will be breakthroughs.
0: Yeah. So you you went to college. You had mm-hmm. an interest in community development. Was was Partners the first organization that you worked with?
1: Uh yes. I had applied for other or, like other other organizations because after I graduated, I was looking for places to serve, uh-huh. and I had found Partners online. And actually a couple of other, my friends kind of posted their stuff on social media as well on Facebook. And so I kind of had an idea who they were, but they weren't like, I was just looking in different places. But then when I looked again, I kind of fell back on them as I was searching. I was, I was reading through their, their website and I was like, sustainability, faith-based, faith-inspired. I was like, that's really what I want. I want, I want to do this because of my faith, but I also want things to be sustainable for the communities that we're helping. I don't just want to go in and say, You know, here's some food, bye, you know. I want to be able to we want to be able to help them to to build their communities and to be able to eventually help themselves in their communities.
0: And that's really important. Yeah. How I've heard that sometimes you maybe go into a place and you have a vision for how things could be. Right. But the people that are there, maybe they have a different picture. How do you exactly walk that out and make sure that you're serving them, bridging that gap to serve them the best you can Mm -hmm. in a way that's actually best for them?
1: And Every time that we can, we talk to the community before we start a project. We, okay. we never want to start a project without talking to the community because we want to see what their needs are and what their resources are. We don't want to bring stuff in if they don't need those kind of things. And especially we don't want to bring a program in as, if they're not going to be invested in it. Because if the community isn't invested, then it's not going to carry on if we have to leave. So we want the the community to be able to be a part of the the process of projects that are going to help their community so that they'll be able to do it themselves, you know, eventually sustainable. Yeah.
0: Can you, can you think of an example of one of those times where you did that just to kind of share with us the the actual story of how that plays out?
1: Yeah. And in one of the states we work in, we, there's a community support network. We started that because the community wanted to be able to, to help each other. Their IDPs displaced people. And when they were displaced, they were thrown into camps together. And so they didn't know know each other. They didn't know how to help each other. And so they wanted this program. And so we've we've introduced this program and are kind of helping them. And instead of us as Westerners being there all the time, we have 400 volunteers in different IDP camps that are just finding the needs out in their camp and helping each other on their own, doing their own initiatives for fundraisers so they can raise funds. Um, We do give them some resources that they need. Uh, but mostly they're doing it on their own so
0: yeah that, that's that's cool and you mentioned teams you're the the mm-hmm. teams and volunteer coordinator mm-hmm. what is your involvement how do you, what do what do you do
1: yeah so i do teams and volunteers and i also Report manager. Um, so I have to edit a lot of reports that come in from our projects and get those out to people, but also organizing with people who want to come visit us. So whether that be teams of people, or whether that be somebody who wants to come visit our projects, or if that be a volunteer who wants to come for two months or more.
0: Okay. I think when I was growing up back in the 80s, my vision of a missionary was almost always the husband and wife team with their kids that go into a place and they. Do something, and there mm-hmm. was never any talk about a team or an administration or any kind of group of people. How does how does the structure work at Partners?
1: Yeah, so if a team is coming, they have to be ten people or less, just because of logistics. Okay, and then we have them fill out an application to kind of see what their visions and goals are, because we don't want a team coming, you know, if they're not aligned with what we're doing. So we kind of see what they want to do, what they want to see, and then we kind of ex- just expose them to some of our projects where we can take groups of people
0: before you got involved with uh, with partners and mm-hmm. went to Thailand did you have any other ministry roles that you were involved in
1: yeah so um, in college I worked as a junior high youth leader okay. for several years and then I worked in the nursery for many years as a 18 to 24 month teacher really uh, in the nursery and then I also volunteered with angel tree I've led many teams to Haiti with the different organization that I was um, involved with before I started with partners so just a few different things here and there. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm.
0: I'm really interested in that. That those trips to Haiti, though, because mm-hmm. it seems like that might have kind of shaped your approach to ministry. Yeah. C- can you share a little bit more about those trips?
1: Yeah. So I started going. My first trip was my sophomore year of college. Okay. Um, and it was my first international missions trip. I had done some local U.S. mission trips before that, but this was my first kind of eye-opening trip, you know, overseas and seeing what's going on overseas. And it was through an organization and. Like it just kind of opened my eyes to, to missions even more. Like, like I said, I'd always wanted to do missions somehow, but I didn't really know how and just kind of seeing the reality of what it is on the field and and what, how people are suffering. Yeah. So
0: you mentioned how people are suffering. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you avoid compassion fatigue?
1: Yeah, that's for me, especially in working at partners, we see a lot of sad stories, a lot of things that are going on. For me, I, I try to, to reading the, the good stories, the, the stories about hope, okay. to balance it out. Because we read all these bad stories or all these sad stories, but we also have a lot of good stories of people, you know, lives that have been changed and turned around. And so for me, reading those kind of helps me to balance it out. Because I know that there's a lot of suffering and there's a lot of bad, but at the same time, we're, we can do only what we can, and then God will help us do that.
0: Was that a strategy or, strategy or approach that you went to Thailand with?
1: No, it's just kind of something I've kind of learned myself, just because reading all the bad stories, I was you always get, you know, you can get depressed, you can get down, yeah. and you need something to bring in that hope. And, you know, God is that hope. But having those stories of hope that, you know, say, yeah, we're, what we're doing is counting. I mean, it's, it might be one person, and there are these hundreds over here suffering, but it's one person. And to that one person, it counts. And you know they're loved, and they know that, and that's what kind of keeps me going. Knowing that we're helping even just the one person.
0: I was I was going to ask because mm-hmm. it, it seems like, especially if you're dealing working with people in in camps, mm-hmm. that that could be really challenging because right. there's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff I don't even know about, right? That, mm-hmm. that can that can, be, that can be going on there. I'm wondering, you've you've talked a little bit about partners, actually quite a bit about partners, and I know that they've raised a, a good bit of money, that they've been involved in a lot of projects. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you can tell us a story of a time when you've really seen one of these projects change somebody's life.
1: Yeah. Um, the story I was thinking about was actually about one of our current staff members. Okay, Her and her husband, they grew up in a refugee camp as children. Oh. Um, they stayed in one of the boarding homes that partners have supported uh, for many, many years. But now by furthering their education and and pressing on, they've been able to give back. So they were in the boarding home, receiving help, being beneficiaries. And now she is working at partners as a staff member, and he is working at a migrant school in the city. And so they were beneficiaries and now they're giving back to the people. And so for me, that's like a whole, it's a turnaround from being a child who's in a refugee camp with no hope to being, to someone who wants to give back to their people because of the opportunities that they've been given.
0: Yeah. How how common is that kind of story?
1: I'm not sure. I've heard a few stories about that, you know, happening where people will want to help their people. And with the Karen people in particular, most of the Karen people that I've met, that's their desire is to go back in and help their own people. And one of the other homes that we support in the Mm -hmm. camp, I had taken a team from Norway, and they were drawing pictures about what they wanted to do. And a, many of the young young men and women, maybe in their late teens, early 20s, they all were like, we, I want to be go to Bible school and be a pastor and then go back to Karen State and help my people. Or I want to go back to Karen State and be a teacher for my people. And so they're really invested in their in their people group and helping their people group. And I think that's very inspiring for me to see that in yeah. young kids. Yeah.
0: As you think about the work, you've been involved in a lot for, for a while and mm-hmm. Partners is involved in a lot of different kinds of things. Right. What is the the single biggest need or challenge that you that you as an organization see?
1: There's so many. I, I think it would be getting funding to do all the things that we do. We have over 30 projects with five different areas, and getting funding for all those projects all the time is it can be difficult. But also just trying to to make sure that we're using those funds in a way that's going to be beneficial. We don't we don't want to do something wrong with the funds that we get. We want yeah. to make sure they're they're helping people and they're going to the right places. And so getting those funds is quite challenging sometimes.
0: Yeah. So it would seem like you're almost always kind of forging a new path with mm-hmm. every project and every initiative. You might have learned something in the past, but a different people group is going to react differently, so it can be hard to predict results. Right. D- does that become a challenge as well?
1: Yeah, we've been working in the area for over 20 years now, so Most people groups within Southeast Asia, at least that we're working with, we've kind of, we know the culture and many of the people that work with us as staff are those people groups. And so it's not just Westerners going to these people groups and saying, you know, you need to do this or need to do this. It's the local people that are working with us and for us that are going out and doing this with their people.
0: If, If somebody was wanting to get involved in missions, what was, what's maybe one thing that you'd suggest that they do first?
1: I think getting involved where you are at home first, because that can, there are a lot of people that are coming to us these days. And so there's always something that you can do at home. And so when you're doing that, you can really find out if that's what your calling is. Um, because if if you're not doing anything at home and then you just go over, then it's, it's not the same, I don't think.
0: Are, are there any secrets that you've learned over the past years in terms of walking in faithfulness for a long time?
1: I think listening and learning are things that come to mind, like being a, listening to God, listening to what the word says, listening to people, okay. because we don't have all the answers. And when you go into a place thinking that you have all the answers, uh, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> so being able to listen to people and, and learn, I think is very important.
0: Yeah. And, and you mentioned that partners does take donations. Mm-hmm. Good good to know that. You, yep. we also mentioned that there are groups that go over there. What are some of the, what are some of the other ways that people can get involved with partners?
1: They could advocate, they could do fundraisers themselves and send the money to partners. So those are the kind of different ways.
0: Okay. Yeah. And as we kind of bring this to a close, I've just got a couple more questions. Mm -hmm. One would be if somebody could just take away one or two things from our chat today, what would you hope they'd walk away with?
1: I think again, just being involved, you know, before you go and then having the right attitude and idea about if you're wanting to get into missions, that you can't have this mindset that you're going to have all the answers and that you can learn from different people. I think that's really important because, and also having the right, the heart, because you have to know that you're called. You can't just be like, oh, I'd like to go live in such and such place. (laughs) You know, it's going to be a lot harder than you think it is. So, so really knowing that you're called and also really being able to have the right motivation and perspective and not going into it with You know, I know everything I can save the world, you know, the the savior complex that some people have. So I think those are really good things to think about before you're going places is about what are your attitudes and what are your motivations? Yeah. And and
0: then the last one, just how can we best pray for you?
1: Yeah, just just as I go back here soon, I'm going to be getting back into the work and praying for our team. Um, We have a lot of team members um, that are doing a lot of different things especially with our work in Syria right now. There are some things going on in Syria. So we have team members on the ground there. So just praying for the organization in general, within our work and our projects in our fundraising. So, yeah.
0: Well, for those that are listening, I would encourage you to go ahead and pause the recording and pray for Adriana now, because if you're like me, you're probably going to forget by bedtime. So just do that now. And then in terms of the show notes, we'll have a way for you to connect with partners. We'll have that link there for you. We'll have a way for you to email Adriana if you'd like. And then also, if you're interested in getting involved and learning more about that, we'll have an email address for you for that as well, all in the show notes. So just visit those and we'll, we'll make sure that that's available. Adriana, I just want to say a huge thank you. Thank you for taking the time to make it all the way over here and to do <laughs> do this huge thanks again to adriana for being with us and also to you for joining us episode notes are available at engagingmissions.com slash adriana meno or if you're listening in your favorite podcast app you can very likely tap or click or swipe to get there so you can find links to the things that we talked about as well as a way that you can connect with her Make sure that you come back next time. It's actually going to be next week. We're going to be talking with Eric Nevins about Facebook groups and how missionaries and church planters Use those and some of the valuable things that he's learned by running some groups in terms of building relationships, being engaging, some stuff like that. I think that's stuff that's going to be really valuable. I also mentioned to you that I have an update about the publishing schedule. I shared a little bit a couple weeks ago. Here's the plan I'm having trouble keeping up with the publishing schedule right now, so my plan is to go to as often as I can get one published. At this point, I don't have another one recorded for you after Eric's, so I'm not, I'm not exactly sure when the next episode is going to be. However, if you'd like to make sure that you get that when it's out, make sure that you've subscribed to the show, engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. If you have any feedback for me or if you've found this to be valuable, I'd really appreciate that feedback. You can email me, brian, at engagingmissions.com, or if there's somebody that you know that you think could benefit from our conversation today, make sure that you share that with somebody so that they can benefit from it as well. One more time, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you. And I really look forward to getting that episode with Eric out for you as well.